Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Note the word endure. You've got to make it through. The word temptation there again is the same word for trials. Blessed is the man who endures trials. Blessed is the man who endures trials? Not necessarily blessed in the midst of it, but blessed is the man who endures it. Trials bless us. Really? Trials bless us though we can't always see it while we're in the middle of the storm. There are blessings and yes, even joy that await us not only at the end, but in the middle of our storm as we make it through the rough times. May God give you the strength and endurance you need to make it through. We finish out our encouraging message out of James 1, verses 2 through 12 with Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. Peter, you remember, is rescued from prison. God sends an angel, and Peter actually thinks he's like in a dream. And he gets up and he follows the angel out, and then he realizes this is really happening. And he goes to the house where they're praying for him. And when they knock on the door and it says it's Peter, they say it's his ghost. Great faith of the people of God praying that he would be delivered. And God delivers them and they think it's a ghost at the door instead of Peter. Why was Peter delivered and why was James killed? Even more so, why? Because they were the inner circle. Why would God take James and leave John? John would go on to write Revelation, the book of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John would go on as in his old age to pastor the church at Ephesus where he would be called the old guy. That was his nickname, the elder, because he was the youngest of the disciples, but as time had gone on, he'd gotten old. Couldn't God have used James the same way he used John? And what did Jesus mean when he said to James and John, when they asked their mother, really, can my son sit on your right and left side in the kingdom? They're good boys. And he said, can they be baptized in what I'm baptized in? They said, we can. James died not long after Jesus died, and he was. But so was John, boiled in oil, right, and survived, and then exiled to the island of Patmos. Which one of them had the better spot? Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll go, oh, it was James, not John. We felt sorry for James. We should have felt sorry for John. Who knows? Who knows why God does what he does? In in Hebrews chapter 11, it gives a list of these people that subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness and, and, and in their weakness, they were made strong. And then it says, and others were destitute and lived in caves, were tortured and sawn in half. Men the world wasn't worthy of. See, some people say, well, if bad things happen to you, it's because you don't have enough faith or because you got sin in your life or you made a bad decision. But that's not what that passage says. That passage says the world wasn't worthy of these people. If anything, it was the other way around. The world wasn't worthy of them and they never received the promises. Why do some of them work miracles and work righteousness and in weakness become strong and some of them are destitute and in deserts and sawn in half? I don't know. But God does those things, different things with different people. And there are temptations that we face. And we are to consider it joy because of something we know. The second thing I see is knowledge. Knowing, verse 3, that the testing of your faith produces patience. God's at work. God wants to do something through the trial. 
I don't know what God wants to do through this trial. I don't know why God couldn't have done it in some other way. But I want God to be glorified in it. I want God to do the work in me. I want the depth in my life because of what God is taking me through. And we should want that in the middle of our trials. If the first is attitude, mister, and the second is knowledge, the third is submission. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The word perfect there means mature. And in secular sources, it's used to speak of animals who are mature. Mature animals and Christians. That's what the word is used for, for perfect. See, did you notice the first part? But let patience have its perfect work. Some in trials don't let patience have its perfect work. Some in trials don't submit to God. You are, are at a loss. You turn away from God. You don't know what to do. The trial hasn't proved your faith. The trial has proved that your faith is lacking. And what do you do if you face a trial? Maybe an awful trial, like me, the loss of a spouse, the loss of a wife, the loss of a family. Maybe it wasn't a death. Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was unfaithfulness. Maybe it was a trial that shook you to the very core and you left God. You walked away. You walked to alcohol. You walked to whatever it was away from God. Then that means that your faith wasn't proved. It proved that there was a weakness in your faith. The trial that you faced turned into a temptation and you gave in to that temptation when you walked away. What do you do now? You come and reestablish your faith. You come to him with a solid faith and you trust in him. And in submission, you let God do his perfect work. Attitude, mister. Knowledge, verse three. Submission, verse four. Wisdom, verse five. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you say, I don't know how to face this divorce or I don't know how to face unfaithfulness. I don't know how to face the loss of a spouse. I don't know how to face the loss of a child. Then ask God for wisdom who gives to all men liberally, it says, and without reproach. And it will be given to him. I don't normally do this but last Wednesday night, we really dived into that verse and the Holy Spirit really moved. And if you weren't here, then go online and listen on, on, on our webpage or download the podcast, listen to it while you're driving. I really think God did something special there with really causing us to desire God's wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is to be, be desired more than gold and silver. More than any money is wisdom. And God gives it liberally. But not only do we need wisdom and to ask God, but we need faith. Verse six, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like the waves of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. And let no man suppose that he will receive anything from God. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. It's not that it's just a doubt. Oh, God's not gonna give me wisdom. It's a life that is not lived for God. You turn away, you turn to the world. You turn to the things of the world. You turn away from God and you are unstable in all of your ways. You are tossed to and fro and you will not receive anything with God. It's the person in the middle of the trial that turns to God and says, Lord, I don't know where to turn. I don't know where to go. I don't know that I can handle this. I need you. And it's that person that receives from God. God's there to strengthen you. How do you make it through a trial? By staying close to Jesus. Getting as close to Jesus as you can. Horatio Spafford. There's a name for you, isn't it? You looking for a name for your baby? 
You guys are coming up with all kinds of strange names, I'll tell you that. But it'll probably be common. It'll be so normal when these kids are older. I always think, man, that child with that name, wow. But all of them are going to have weird names. So it's just going to be normal. You're not going to have a Robert or a Steve or in those, you know, if the Lord tarries for that many years. Horatio Spafford, hymn writer. It is well with my soul. When sorrows like sea billows roll. His family had taken a trip, and I can't remember if it was to England or back from England. I think it was back, if I remember correctly. And he had had his family go before him. He lived in the late 1800s, by the way. Uh, His family had gone before him, and he lost his wife and children in the storm. When he finally got in his boat to go to the United States, he asked the captain, bring me up when we get to the longitude and latitude of where the this, this ship sank and my wife and children died. And as he stood up on that deck and he overlooked the area where his family had perished, God gave him those words. It is well with my soul. Wow. He knew what it was like when sorrows like sea billows roll. He watched those, those swells slamming against that boat. And he said, that's what I'm going through. Sorrows like sea billows are swelling in my life. But it is well with my soul. You remember in the last stanza of that song, he talks about Jesus coming back again into, into the future. It is well God's working. You don't get to the point where you say, it is well with my soul by turning to the world, by being tossed to and fro. You get to the place where you can say to God, it is well with my soul. You have done this. I have lost my family and it is well with my soul because I trust you, because I love you, because I'll make it through this trial. And that's what we need to do in the midst of trials. That's the way we get from A to B. That's the way we get through the trials. That's the way our faith as a Christian is proven. By trusting in God, not by turning to this world and all the things that this world has to offer you which in the end won't get you through it. It goes on now and talks about humility. It's really a contrast between those who are humble and those who are rich and trials. In other words, verse nine says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in humiliation. He now in the midst of trials compares the two. And in essence, he's saying, whether you are poor, whether you are rich, you are going to face trials and your poverty or your riches are not going to help you in your trials. And those of you that are impoverished, you are going to be lifted up one day. You'll make it into heaven. God will lift you up. He came to the poor. He came to preach the gospel to those who are poor, not just poor in spirit, but poor financially. That's what this is talking about. It's a contrast and comparison. But those of you who are rich, you think that your money can save you from your trials. It can't. It won't do anything to rescue you from your trials. In fact, those who have money seem to be the most miserable among us, if you believe the tabloids anyway, right? Now, whenever I say that, that the, the richest among us are the most miserable, the whole room shakes their head. Yep, yep, it's true. We're miserable, rich people, uh-huh. <laughs> but then we also say to God, but I'd like to be the person that's, that's rich and not miserable. I, I want to be the proof that, that you can be rich and not be miserable, Lord. Let that be me. In a way, though, we've already hit the lottery, when we think about the poverty that's around the world. 
and where we were born or live in the United States, right? And we would probably fall into the category of the rich rather than the poor in this passage. We, you might say, speak for yourself. But I think it's the case, okay? I think that we really do fall into that category. It says, let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. No amount of money is going to stop that. There's a guy who uh, had bumper crops, remember? And he said to himself, I'm going to build a bigger barn and sit back and take my ease and rest. And Jesus said, you fool. For today, your life is required of you. Jesus also said, what will a man give for his soul? Everything. Give the world for his soul, right? Everything. Your money can't stop you from facing trials or not passing away. Verse 11, for no sooner has the sun risen and the burning heat than it withers the grass and the flower fails and it is, its beautiful appearance perishes. Think about springtime in Arizona. How long do we have wildflowers? Not long, right? They pop up on the road for a few weeks and then the sun bakes them. That's the idea. Later on, he's going to say, he has a lot to say to the rich, by the way. James does. But later on, he's going to say, our lives are like a vapor. They are here one moment and they are gone the next. That's why we can't play games. That's why we can't say, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and, and be a, a waves tossed to and fro by my trials. No. No sooner will the sun rise and our lives are burned away. And finally, verse 12, blessed is the man who endures temptation. Note the word endure. You've got to make it through. The word temptation there again is the same word for trials. Blessed is the man who endures trials. Blessed is the man who endures trials? N not necessarily blessed in the midst of it, but blessed is the man who endures it. You got to come out the other side. You got to be the soldier who had your medal proven in battle or the ship that faced the storm or the faith that is proven. And God says, you're blessed. How tough are these trials he's talking about? For when he has been approved, approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. A crown of life. Lisa's received her crown of life, and I will one day receive mine, making it through my trial as she made it through hers. Jesus had a friend of his get sick, a guy by the name of Lazarus. He could have gone and saved him, but he didn't. He delayed where he was, and Lazarus died. And when Jesus showed up, Martha came out to meet him, and Martha said immediately when she saw him, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus said that he was the resurrection and the life. He said, if anyone believes in me, he will not die. And even if he dies, he'll live. Do you believe this? And Martha said, uh, yeah, I know he's going to live again in the resurrection. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me shall not die. Martha left and Mary came out. Mary was weeping. She fell at his feet and she wept. When Jesus saw her weeping and she said to him through her sobs, had you been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I understand that text much better now, by the way. I had those same moments with the Lord after Lisa had passed. And Jesus wept with her. 
Now, some say he wept because of the disbelief. I don't think so. I think he was just grieving with them. I think he grieves with us. And so he then said to Martha, where'd you put him? Take me there. And when they got to the tomb, he said, take away the stone. And Martha said, he's been dead for four days and by now he stinketh. King James Version. This is not going to be good, Jesus. And he said, didn't I say to you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Believing and seeing the glory of God? Believing and seeing the glory of God? So they roll away the stone. And Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come out. And the Bible says he came out wrapped in the grave clothes. The grave clothes were strips of linen they would wrap the body in like a mummy. Couldn't the God who rose him from the dead deliver him from the wrappings? So he could walk out of the tomb with a little dignity, right? Could walk out with, what, a, what an entrance. Hey, boys, I'm alive, right? Nope, here he comes. You know? But God's doing something. He says to Mary and Martha, go and unwrap your brother. And they go and through amazement and awe, through tear-stained cheeks, unwrap Lazarus and look into his eyes and kiss his face and embrace him. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? What is it that we who are left have to do to have be reunited with those who we love that have gone before us? Didn't I tell you that if you believe, we must stand our ground? We've got to be proven. We've got to make it through. And we too will have a, a reunion. I believe that that reunion of Lazarus and, and his two sisters is a picture of the reunion that we will have when we enter into heaven. Oh, when we get to heaven, we will see Jesus and it will be amazing, but I will embrace my wife. And you will embrace those that have gone before you in the Lord and they will be unwrapped to us. But we first have to face the trials here. We've got to endure through the storms. It's been said on that passage, those who endure temptation will receive the crown of life. That's the only way out of temptation. You endure it. You make it through until the storms stop beating you, until the storm is done and the calm water appears. Trusting that if we'll do this, God will deliver us as we enter into eternity and receive that crown of life. Now, last week we pointed out that if you aren't going through a trial now, you will be, just hang on. One's coming around the corner. It's part of the human condition of what you and I face and go through. But may that prove our faith. Just as a ship that's made for the water is proven by the storm and a soldier is proven in battle, we are proven by the trial. And if you fail and you walk away from God, then it's time to reestablish that faith. The proving isn't for God. God knows what your faith is like. The proving is for you. In essence, God's taken me through this and said, all these years when you've said all of these things, Robert, do you believe them? Yeah, God, I do. Couldn't I have shown you that some other way? I'll close with this. God says to Abraham, take your son, 
your only son, the son of the promise, Isaac. God could have said, the son that I told you that the Messiah was going to come from, the promised seed, you take him, take him up to a mountain, I show you and kill him. Sacrifice him to me. So he takes his son, the next morning he goes. For three days they travel. All of this is a sign of, of Jesus, of God giving his son Jesus, right? He's, Jesus is the only son. Jesus is dead for three days and then receives him back to life. So he travels for three days. He takes him to Mount Moriah, which is where Jesus was crucified. And he sacrifices Isaac, excuse me, he gets, prepares the sacrifice for Isaac on that mountain. And Isaac is, it's said, 30 years old. So don't think of this little child that he's holding down and tying up and throwing up on the wood. Isaac could have said, new plan, dad. Let's tie you up and sacrifice you on the wood instead of me. But he submitted and surrendered to the will of his father, just as Jesus surrendered to the will of the father on the cross. Pulls back his knife and God stops him. Earlier, Isaac had said, we have the fire, we have the wood, but where's the ram or where's the, the sacrifice? And prophetically, Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice, a ram. Not he's going to provide a ram, but he's going to provide himself as a sacrifice. And when, he, when God stopped him, he looked up and there was a ram in the thickets and he took that ram and he sacrificed it. Well, in Hebrews, we learn what he was thinking. When he left to go up the mountain and he left his servants there, he said to his servants, I'm going to take the lad and go up the mountain and we are going to return to you. Did you ever notice that? His plan was to go kill his son and burn his body. How could he say to them, we will return to you? Well, we learn in Hebrews that he thought God was going to raise him from the dead. He said, you promised that through this son, the Messiah was going to come and nations were going to be blessed. And I think you're going to raise him from the dead. That's how much faith he had to be able to step forward and to be proven through that trial. And he was proven through the trial. An old Puritan said, every trial that we go through is a small, small piece of the cross. Out of all the children of God, the vast majority of us in this room are his children. Out of all the children of God, there's only one who didn't sin. But out of all the children of God, all of us have suffered. Even Jesus faced the cross. No wonder Paul said that I might know you in the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering. Let our faith be proven through our trials. Stand up with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for your work in our lives. We thank you that you have taken us through trials and that in the end, we will see what they're all about. And we want to be those who are proven through them. May we be the Christian whose faith is proved out in the midst of the difficulties and the hard times. And uh, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in the midst of struggles and difficulties. For the example of Lisa and others who have gone to be with you, who have taken that difficult trial and made it through. May we make it through the trials you've given us as well. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. 
We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.